it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. Here we go, here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. Big Tuesday episode of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who didn't call David Axelrod a Check it out, Joe Biden not happy with Barack Obama's top advisor calling him out for his poor poll numbers. And it looks like Axelrod might have to get into the ring with the guy who took out Corn Pop. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Yes, he was. But we got a deck stacked full of good dudes today. Brian Kilmeade's going to be here. The bell of the ball in the Fox News radio division. Diamond Dave Landau, comedy sexiest man. And, of course, Emily Campagno, the human happy hour, also in the huddle as well. 888-788-9910 if you'd like to be a part of this audio safe space for cool people where the only thing we need you to do is behave. We're not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth the United States of America. No, ma'am. You can do anything you want, believe what you want, vote how you want, agree, disagree, don't care. Be a Republican, be a Democrat, just don't be a Boom! There it is. Happy Tuesday. I'm in a good mood. I'm in a great mood. I'll be on Gutfeld tonight with our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld, 10 o'clock show. Cat, Tyrus, your radio buddy. Uh, Going to be a banger. Definitely check that out. And this is, of course, my final show in New York because I'm heading down to Nashville, Nash Vegas, where I will be at the Patriot Awards. If you got want to come see everyone at Fox News uh, that you watch on TV every day and uh, be a part of that little cable news petting zoo we put together for 48 hours down at the Opryland Convention Center uh, in the Grand Old Opry House where the awards will actually take place. Uh, tickets at foxnews.com slash Patriot Awards. And you can watch me open the show before I hand it off to Pete Hegseth for the live stream. Going to be an absolute banger. And if that's not enough, Jimmy Fallon, Friday, Saturday, we are down in Naples, Florida at the Off the Hook Comedy Club. Two shows each night, both on the verge of selling out. So you got to make a move fast. Uh, but right now, I am here as a ring announcer, standing between David Axelrod and Joe Biden, who is not happy with all the criticism in the media. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Now, to be clear, Biden hasn't said anything that passionately in about 35 years, maybe even 40 years. Tell it like it is. Okay, but Obama's top advisor, okay, was on CNN yesterday. (laughs) This is so good. And this is why this is going on, just so you understand. I know there's a lot of other things going on in the world today that are probably more primal. Okay, there's a few hundred thousand people on the National Mall in Washington as we get out of the gate here rallying uh, on behalf of Israel. Who would have thought uh, it was that it would actually be necessary in this day and age to get out there and say, don't blow up Israel. But lo and behold, it very well does take a rally and several rallies of this side to reset the conversation because people have lost their mind. What the hell is the world coming to? It's just nonstop chaos, man. You know, we went from a a world of peace through strength to a world of chaos through teleprompter. I mean, at the end of the day, we only have a pro-Hamas rally at every elite college campus in the country right now, and we only have a pro-Israel rally on the National Mall right now because there's a conflict 
that's going on in the Middle East that wouldn't be happening if anyone else was president. Correct the mundo. Okay, I don't care if you like Trump or you vote for Trump. This is not my job. I don't want to be in charge of our democracy. Stop it. Okay, but the reality is when Trump was in office, Putin wasn't invading Ukraine. China wasn't encircling Taiwan. Okay, Hamas wasn't paragliding into Israel. And what triggered all of this? It was our catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan where Biden decided to take the troops out ahead of the civilians. That's stupid. Use your common sense. But it got dumber because in the aftermath of what became a tremendous, not, not, not only a humanitarian crisis, but really did make a laughing stock of our country when it comes to foreign policy, we ended a war that we fought for 20 years for the sole purpose of making sure Afghanistan didn't become a breeding ground for terror groups. We left that country with our tail between our legs, with a terror group in charge, sitting on $85 billion worth of weapons we left behind. This could be a problem. Okay, and the rest of the world then turned on their TV sets and saw Joe Biden try to sell this mission as a success. Not even close! But that's what he tried to say. us the most successful American airlift in history, you see. Come on, don't bullshit. Okay, but what he forgets to mention is, yeah, it might have been an airlift of a lot of people. But he's not actually acknowledging why there was an airlift, which was his catastrophic handling of the situation. Biden is such a disaster. So what's going on now, if you own a politics to English dictionary, is we have reached the portion of the wedding where the minister has informed the churchgoers to speak now or forever hold their peace. Okay, the ceremony's about to get underway. Biden's about to get put on the ticket to make another go of it in 2024. And as crazy as that sounds to you, you understand there's a lot of bureaucrats in Washington that love the idea of a president who goes the wrong way at the end of a speech or shakes hands with invisible people. Think about that. We have a president who behaves like a guy you wouldn't buy weed from, which is crazy to think given how much cocaine is in the White House these days. But the truth is, would you buy weed off a guy who was talking to dead people at press conferences. (laughs) If you had a buddy that shook hands with invisible people and he was like, hey, man, you want a hit of this? You'd be like, the answer would be no. So Biden is a mess. He's a disaster. Okay, there is a part of the establishment Democratic Party that wants him gone because they realize he's a liability to the country. Okay. But there's another part that wants him to stay because they realize that if Biden gets reelected, they're in charge. I agree with that. Okay, Obama probably does agree with that, but he doesn't agree with the idea of keeping Biden on the ticket. And I only know that because his top advisors are the ones attacking Biden in the media. So Axelrod talked on Thursday. He was on CNN talking about how Biden's age is a concern. This is where this thing started. And then I'll show you where it went. Here's Thursday, clip three. I have no concerns about polls a year out. I mean, you have to look at them and uh, analyze them and adjust. But I was in a situation as a strategist for Barack Obama uh, in 2011 where we were facing some difficult polls. The one uh, number in the polling that was concerning uh, and in the CNN poll uh, that followed after the New York Times poll had to do with age. And that's one thing you can't. Uh, reverse yeah. no matter how effective Joe Biden is behind the scenes uh, in front of the camera what he's projecting is 
uh, causing people concerns, yeah. and, and that, that's worrisome. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, okay, people look at that and they say to themselves... We have a president that is clearly not all there. Guy's a mess, and that's all Axelrod's acknowledging. Is he saying, hey, I know this guy likes being president... I know his wife really seems to like being first lady so much so that she's willing to commit elder abuse <laughs> in broad daylight. <laughs> Usually when they do a report on these facilities, it's happening behind the scenes. It's very rare that you get to see elder abuse transpiring on national TV. But every time you throw on your set and Biden's on TV, you are watching some type of roughing up of a man who deserves to be anywhere but sitting behind the resolute desk. That man belongs in a nursing home, not in the White House. But anyway, okay, Axelrod goes out and speaks to the obvious. When you look at the polls, 75% of the country think we're headed in the wrong direction. 70% of the country doesn't think Biden is mentally fit to hold office. That's the truth. Right now, 70% of Americans don't think he's mentally fit now. Okay, if you were hiring someone for any job in America, any job in America, and you're like, well, this guy... Not going to pass a psych test. He's not all there. You're not giving the guy the job. Straight up. Okay, you you hire a babysitter who shows up and doesn't know your name and forgets their name and then starts talking to dead people or shaking hands with people who aren't there. You're probably not going to leave them alone with the kids. Especially not in Biden's case because he's going to wind up sniffing them when you turn your back. But the point is... I'm not trying to give the guy a hard time, okay? But there, but for the grace of God, go every one of us. We're all going to get old. We're all going to be a mess, okay? We're just not going to be president at the time it happens. So Axelrod, to his credit, is speaking an obvious truth. If the concern is about Biden's age, it doesn't go away because you don't get any younger. This isn't Benjamin Button. No matter how many drugs they've got in Hunter's laptop, they don't have one that's going to make the age issue go away. So Axelrod... After going out and just speaking an obvious truth, hey, we got to look into this. We're running out of time. Okay. Comes word that behind the scenes, Biden referred to Axelrod as a. Here is Axelrod's response, clip one. The president called you a word that because we are live in London, I am not allowed to say on television, but it starts with a P and ends with K. Uh, your response. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't be the first, I guess, in my many years in politics. Listen, I understand he was irritated because uh, I raised concerns that many, many Democrats had. And again, you know, my feeling is either get out or get going. So he's saying, the, you know, put up or shut up. <laughs> either go home or start campaigning because here's reality. Biden announced a reelection bid early last spring. I don't remember that ever happening, but it did. OK, he announced a reelection bid. Has he had campaign events yet? The answer would be no. Okay, he's flown into a town here or there to talk up some legislation, but he's not actually out on the campaign trail. And you understand, at this point in their incumbent presidencies, Barack Obama and Donald Trump had both spent 20 times as much as Biden has. Okay, 20 times. And understand, they weren't getting primaried. Biden's getting primaried. His party's just pretending it's not happening. Okay, Dean Phillips is running from Minnesota, the congressman. RFK initially ran as a Democrat until the party refused to acknowledge him. That's just how white folks will do you. Okay, you got Marianne Williamson, that moon bat, 
And now we're getting talk that Joe Manchin is going to jump in. Come on, man. Okay, but the point is, despite all of that opposition, Biden hasn't even gotten out there and campaigned once. So you understand their strategy, if he stays on the ticket, is to shorten the race by throwing Trump in court and hopefully in jail with any luck if you're a Democrat. So there's less public appearances for Biden to make. If you remember the 2020 election, Biden had the public appearance schedule of a groundhog. Okay, if you told people in 2020 you saw Joe Biden in public, they didn't believe you. They're like, let me guess. He was riding shotgun with Elvis and Bigfoot. You didn't see Joe Biden. Hey, Anthony, this guy says he saw Joe Biden in public. Have you ever had a checkup? That's what Anthony would have said. Okay, he's got to come out of his house. Okay, we know that. And he doesn't want to come out of his house now. So when Axelrod says, get out or get going, he's telling you the truth. If you're running for re-election, you got to run for re-election at some point. Okay, but the fact that he's not running, the fact that his staff is nearly 120th the size of every other campaign. Okay, at this point, Tim Scott's staff is as big as Joe Biden's staff, and Tim Scott ain't even in the race. (laughs) So you understand what Axelrod is saying is, you know, Get going if you're going to go get going, okay? It's now or never, as Elvis Presley said, okay? But the reason Biden hasn't gotten going yet is because the people in Washington are in a death struggle over whether or not he should, okay? You got the Obama wing that wants him to get the out, okay? And then you've got the other wing, like the Pelosi wing. Nancy Pelosi is a total dingbat. Maybe so, but she's incredibly powerful. And that power behind the scenes that she shares with a lot of unelected bureaucrats has allowed all of them to be president, including a guy like Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer is a clown. Maybe so, but if Biden gets reelection, ostensibly so do they. And that's why we can't get a straight answer out of the White House, no matter how much Obama's surrogates demand one. And I'm out here in the real world, and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. A very inventive, troubled comedian. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. There it is, Fox Across America. Doing the dang thing. At 888-788-9910, we will, of course, get to your calls, texts, tweets, carrier pigeons. We're now honoring messages in a bottle, okay, which is probably a more effective way to communicate than my current cell phone carrier. I'm not going to name names, all right? I don't want to get into a petty squabble, but man, oh boy, oh man, (laughs) every one of my calls, every one of my calls gets dropped by this kid. You've got to get mad! I'm not. I'm fine. I'm pretty mellow. Uh, But Jenny's a little worked up about the service. I'm not going to get the carrier in trouble. But it rhymes with T-Mobile. David Axelrod, on CNN last night, articulating the other half of his concern about a Biden 2024 bid. Here it is, clip two. The status quo, the way they were approaching the campaign, the sort of what me worry attitude about the campaign uh, was was not going to get him to where he needs to go. And the stakes are so high Casey, this isn't, you know, Mitt Romney or John McCain or anybody else on the other side. But this Donald Trump, it's a fundamental question as to 
what American democracy is going to look look like uh, the day after the next election. So the stakes are very high. He knows that. But I think he needed he needs to take a sober look uh, at uh, the whole landscape. All right. Fair. But at the same time, Axelrod, you are so full of and I say that why, because, uh, you know, the fundamental question is, if Trump wins, what's American democracy going to look like? That's what they're going with now on the left. I'm like, hello, you're jailing your political opponents in the Biden administration. I think he's got a point. <laughs> We've never had a president indicted in the 247-year history of the country. Trump has now been indicted 91 times. By the time this is over, he's going to be facing charges for failing to help Kevin McAllister in Home Alone 2. Okay, and again, no one's above the law, but the things he's being prosecuted for are kangaroo court procedures. Okay, failing to pay off a porn star that he slept with on the side. Oh, yes, I've read about that in the Bible. Okay, he got she got the money, but they're trying to say it violates a federal law, even though he'd be charged at a local level. Little bit of a scam. Okay, overvaluing his real estate assets in New York when no party is claiming victimhood to a crime, meaning the bank got paid in full, nobody got paid late, nobody was asking for this audit other than a prosecutor who ran on prosecuting him, like was elected and fundraised off the idea that she would get Donald Trump. But oh yeah, Jimmy, don't you understand? He mishandled classified information. Yeah, he's not the first person to do that. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. Okay, but was she charged for mishandling classified information? The answer would be no. Of course not. Okay, they found classified documents in a milk crate behind Joe Biden's Corvette in his garage at a time his son lived in the house and was selling interest to foreign entities overseas. Any charges for the Biden family over that rack? (laughs) Nothing. And then you go, but Jimmy... He said the election was stolen. Oh, you don't say. As I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. Wow. Nuts. You don't say. And the point is, I'm not here to defend Trump. I'm just here to defend objective truth. Okay, when you live in a country with double standards, you don't have standards anymore. Charges charges being brought against Trump are being brought... Okay, despite the fact that they would never happen against any other politician, assuming they weren't liberal anyway. Bingo, man. Bingo. And that's the racket. So when Axelrod says Biden shouldn't run, I agree. But when he says, oh, we got to worry about democracy, you don't understand. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. There it is. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We kicked off the show today talking about the battle between Joe Biden and David Axelrod, Barack Obama's top advisor, saying Biden's got to think about getting off the ticket. Of course, Biden shot back that that wasn't true. You can't handle the truth. I don't know about that. I just, you know, the point being is Biden reportedly called Axelrod a in any event. Okay, they're not the only two people in Washington exchanging fighting words right now. Oklahoma Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, someone you hear quite a bit on this show, apparently just got into a back and forth in the Senate chamber with a local businessman who's had words with Mullen in the past. Take it away, Josh. 
Sir, I wish you was in the truck with me when I was building my plumbing company myself and my wife was running the office because I sure remember working pretty hard and long hours. Pretends like he's self-made. What a clown. Fraud. Always has been. Always will be. Quit the tough guy act and these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. <laughs> Sir, this is a time, this is a place. If you want to run your mouth, we can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Big oh, hold, stop it. <laughs> is that your solution? Every poll. Oh, no, no, sit down. Sit down. Okay. You know, you're a United States senator. Sit down. Oh, okay, okay. Sit down, please. <laughs> All right. Can I respond? Mr. Hold Jim. it. Hold it. If we can't, no, I have the mic. Said. I'm sorry. This is hold what it. he said. You'll have your time. Okay. Can I respond? Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> this is a hearing. <laughs> Never hit anyone in anger unless you're absolutely sure you can get away with it. I don't know that Mullen would have gotten away with it, uh, but there was a little posturing there. It was shades of Bernie Sanders took on the role of mean Gene Okerlund. Do you remember the old WWF interviews where, you know, the host would show up? Well, you know, mean Gene, I'll tell you right now. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. That was Mullen. And he was reading a quote uh, from the local businessman who he has had a back and forth with uh, since coming on our show uh, early in the summer. And Mullen is a former MMA fighter, okay? And he clearly still in some kind of shape. So this fat, bald dude that's sitting across from him talking smack uh, would have probably been a, a lot of trouble. But the fact remains, even though I like Mullen, we all be in trouble if they're having fist fights in the Senate. I know it's not as violent as the 1700s where politicians used to settle their differences by shooting each other. And the winner lived and the loser voted Democrat. <laughs> Stop it, they're jokes. But the point is, okay, as an evolved culture, we're not supposed to be fist fighting in the Senate. But that was a soundbite moment for both of them. And uh, you know the old saying, talkers talk, jumpers jump. Okay, when I was a cab driver, a guy used to get into my cab and uh, not, that I would drive from time to time. I'd pick him up at Port Authority in the morning. He's a Port Authority cop. And I was dropping him off over on the east side of town at Grand Central where he was commuting on Metro North back to his house. And uh, he was a member of the uh, negotiation team that would approach people on the bridges who were contemplating the idea of jumping off the bridge. And, you know, the one thing a lot of them had in common is they were Met fans. I kid. But the point is the one thing they had in common is he had told me once. I was like, wow, what is that like? I mean, what's the process? And, you know, he said talkers talk, jumpers jump. The guys that are going to jump get up there and... Thanks for nothing, Buckshow Walter. But the people that will actually talk to you are the people that can actually be reasoned with and brought down from the ledge. So when you see somebody like Mark Wayne Mullen standing across from a businessman, I'd love to fight. Me too. I'm going to fight. Yeah, sounds good. Let me at him. All right, get at me. Okay, those guys are talkers. Okay, thankfully, though, I don't need a fist fight in the Senate. But if they were jumpers, they're just beating the pants off of each other. There's not this exchange in front of the microphones for everybody to watch is what I'm saying. I think he's got a point. Anyway, it's very possible these two were just intoxicated. After all, we just got another report yesterday about the cocaine found in the White House over the summer. Now, if you remember that story, okay, and I will get you up to speed if you don't. Okay, it was July the 2nd when we were told 
that the Biden family had left for holiday vacation and we had found cocaine at the White House that was not theirs. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Now, to be clear, I don't have proof that it was their cocaine. Uh, but we do have proof that Hunter was living there at the time. Hunter's a dirtbag. And it doesn't mean it was his. But it does mean whoever got it into the White House didn't have to go through the proper security protocols to get it there. If you visit the White House, you're going through security. You're getting sniffed by a dog. There are all kinds of metal detectors. The idea that you can just walk in all willy-nilly isn't a reality unless you're a member of the family. Bingo. I don't doubt there are elite members of the cabinet who have the same uh, type of situation. But the one thing they all have in common is none of those cabinet members have a laptop floating around the Internet uh, full of so many naked pictures of male genitalia. I felt like I was on a women's swim team. Okay, Hunter Biden has that history. So when the White House started yelling at us, how dare you ask if this is the family's cocaine? I'm like, come on, dude. If you found a rhinestone jumpsuit at Graceland, you'd probably ask if it belonged to Elvis. And even if it didn't, the last thing they were going to do is yell at you and say, how dare you assume the guy who lives here was doing exactly what he was known to do. You know, that's the point with the Hunter Biden and the White House cocaine. Now, at the time, they gave us with a straight face uh, this explanation that, no, no, there's no cameras in that part of the White House. That is a lie. Dude, I was checking out at Stop and Shop the other day, scanning items at the self-checkout. Okay, I put some of Lincoln's Yasso yogurt pops. They're like ice cream pops. They're like yogurt bars. They're pretty tasty, actually. They're actually actually like a good Yasso. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Okay, this isn't an endorsement. Okay, but the point is they're pretty good. Okay, personally, I think they're overpriced at Stop and Shop. I'm paying like six seventy nine a box under Biden. They were about five and a quarter under Trump. Biden sucks. Thanks for the inflation, but stick with me. Okay, as I put a box on the self-checkout landing area, the box rolled off and fell on the floor, at which point the sensor doesn't sense the item on the scale. And so a siren like a light goes off and says help is on the way. Help is on the way. And now you just want to kill somebody because now you're in a hostage situation till somebody with a credential comes over and fixes the situation. But the point is, and I didn't know this was a thing, Okay, the person at Stop and Shop who comes over to help me scans their key and then hits rewind on the actual self-checkout machine. And there's a video camera that's probably there as an anti-theft mechanism that's overseeing every one of these purchases to make sure people are paying for the stuff they throw in their shopping carts. Now, do you mean to tell me we're living in a world where my $6 yogurt purchase has more security oversight than the entrance to the White House? Are you stupid or something? I don't think you are, but they do. Okay, again, I can't get a bottle of Poland Spring onto a Delta flight, but you can get a bag of booger sugar into the most secure location on the planet of Earth. The answer is no, you can't, unless you have the type of clearance that would get you in there. That being said, okay, let's assume, oh, well, you know, there's four or 500 people who have the clearance to get in there without going through the detectors. Maybe so. But you know what all 500 of those people have in common? Fingerprints. Every single one of them has fingerprints. 
Did they get fingerprints off the bag? The answer would be no. How about the cubby it was found in? The answer would be no. Interesting. You know what else they did? They changed the location it was found in three different times. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? They're trying to create some distance between themselves and whoever owned the cocaine. And again, like, listen, people do drugs. I get it. I don't, thankfully. I know the show sounds like I'm getting paid in Tide Pods. But the reality is this was an administration, we were told, that was going to bring back dignity to the Oval Office. That is a fact check false. No, you don't understand. We're going to bring back dignity. And now what are they doing? They're filming an episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Okay, we don't know whose coke it is. Whose line is it? I have no idea. That's what's going on now. It's embarrassing. Okay, the country as a whole, a mess. But the new pictures that have surfaced, okay, they were on the DailyMail.com. I talked about them on Fox and Friends this morning. The hit is on the Fox Across America website, and I will be discussing it with Brian Kilmeade at the next of the top hour, at the top of the next hour. Okay, this is just another example where we couldn't get a straight answer out of the White House. It started off with, well, uh, the cocaine, you see, uh, it was found in the library. (laughs) No good. I'm like, well, actually, it was, uh, it was in a pantry. And then I was like, well, okay. As it turns out, okay, we found it in a, in a cubby near the entrance to the West Wing. You know, the West Wing where the president is, the Oval Office is. Okay, well, we don't have any cameras near the entrance to the most secured office in America. I mean, come on, man. Give me a break. But that's what they told us with a straight face. And you understand they don't lie about things unless the truth is a bad answer. Think about the Hunter Biden laptop. Okay, what did they tell us? Laptop is fake. It's Russian disinformation. (laughs) Now, why did he say that? Because the contents of the laptop, which were real, were very incriminating for the president and his son. If you're looking at any of the bank records turned over by James Colbert, they could be very problematic for the current sitting president. Are you the big man, Joe? Uh, According to some of these bank receipts, according to the testimony of Hunter Biden's business partners, I mean, think of the dereliction of duty in the media right now to be ignoring that story. Okay, when you consider that we ran with a Russian collusion hoax for three years. It was made up by these sick people. But they didn't have any evidence. Not like nothing. It was the Steele dossier. It was bought and paid for opposition research by Hillary Clinton, who was trying to create a counter narrative to a private email server. Yet the media was willing to run with that for three years without any evidence. The media is a bunch of losers. Anonymously sourced reports that the Clintons leaked to the media is not evidence. Okay, like just to be clear, In the Hunter Biden laptop probe, okay, we have two of his business partners by name on the record under oath testifying that they were selling influence in our government. Okay, media don't touch it. Now, where's the smoking gone? Other than the 93 bank accounts and the $10 million and the 15 members of the Biden family that got paid for a business that has no declared occupation. I mean, what do you got here? Other than a wire transfer from Jim Biden to Joe Biden on a day the family got $4 million from China. I mean, what else do you have? Do you see where the media is just totally, you know, turning tail on this. We're not going anywhere near it because they want to protect a Democrat. But the reality is if you're a person who votes Democrat, you like that because you go, oh, that's good. My, my team's getting a free ride. 
We understand if the people in power are compromised, you're compromised. It doesn't actually benefit you in the long run. We want people in Washington who, number one, know what they're doing. That ship sailed a long time ago. But number two, aren't beholden to some type of foreign entity that might, heaven forbid, influence them to govern in a way that's detrimental to American interests. Okay, I don't have the proof that Biden's doing that. But he does have a record that absolutely positively would make you think he's doing that. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. Think about it. Is, is leaving the southern border open and letting 8 million people cross into our country putting America first? The answer would be no. No, it's overwhelming the infrastructure, not only in border towns, but in every major sanctuary city around the country. Okay, when you talk about sending hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine, a company that, oh, by the way, a country anyway, that paid his family a couple million bucks, okay, you don't actually walk away with the feeling that this is in America's best interests. Why? Because we're simultaneously enriching Russia with our domestic energy policy. Our domestic energy policy makes our biggest geopolitical foes wealthier and more menacing. Iran can subsidize more terror attacks through their proxies. Because when Biden got into office, they went from $4 billion in oil reserves to $70 billion. Putin can afford to invade Ukraine because the price of his oil went through the roof when we stopped producing it as much here. That's the reality right now. It doesn't mean they, you know, they're steering the guy. Okay, I know at the very least he's being steered behind the scenes by American bureaucrats. But the reality is we've looked the other way on so many investigations into the Biden family. And people think it's a good thing because it's helping them win. But I keep on saying this, okay? Biden may have won, but America just keeps on losing. You're absolutely right. Critics are calling it the funniest show on the radio. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I almost had it. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Doing the damn thing here in New York one more time. I'm out of here. Going down to Nashville for the Patriot Award. If you want to come hang out, meet your radio buddy in person. Foxnews.com slash Patriot Awards. Get your information. Get your tickets. Come hang out. It's going to be a rowdy one Thursday night at the Grand Old Opry House. We'd love to have you there. And, of course, Friday, Saturday, we're down in Naples, Florida at the Off the Hook Comedy Club. I am in town, home with my family for Thanksgiving. Uh, it's also Lincoln's birthday, uh, November the 25th, and we'll be watching the Ohio State-Michigan game Saturday afternoon. Uh, and then the following weekend, I'll be out in the Carson Nugget, Carson, Nevada. That's Saturday night, December 2nd. If you're listening in Reno, if you're listening KKFT or KSUE up up north there in Susanville, come on down to the Nugget, hang out with your radio buddy. Uh, then we'll be at Texas Music City and Smokehouse in Tyler, Texas on Saturday, December the 9th, and then you can catch me at the Palm Beach Kennel Club in Palm Beach, Florida, December 16th. But right now, for the remainder of this afternoon, uh, I am here with you, and I can tell you the strategy going forward now, because it does look like Biden's going to stay on the ticket uh, and run for it again in 2024. I keep forgetting I'm president. But he is, and it looks like they're going to make him do it again. Uh, So the strategy they're starting to go with is, well, you know, Trump is Russia. They're bringing back the Russia thing. Here's Jamie Raskin, okay, doing an interview 
with Jen Saki. Do you remember Jen Saki? She took over for Kaylee McEnany. Saki sucks. Kaylee was so much better. Anyway, here is Raskin just giving out some MSNBC catnip saying Trump is Putin. Clip four. The role of the government, in his view, is to advance his political fortunes and destroy his political enemies. So what would a second term look like? It would look a lot like Vladimir Putin in Russia. It would look a lot like Viktor Orban in Hungary. Illiberal democracy, meaning democracy without rights or liberties or respect for the uh, due process system, the rule of law. And in fact, there's not much democracy left to it because their position is that uh, they don't accept the integrity of any election where they lose. And that is a hallmark of an authoritarian party. They don't accept elections that don't go their ways. That was embarrassing. Jamie Raskin. Okay, see the balls of this guy saying Republicans don't accept elections when they lose. Do you know that when Hillary Clinton lost the 2016 election. This is not okay. But she lost the 2016 election after all the money, after all the media hype. The Democrats challenged the certification of the Electoral College, and they used the very first state in the alphabet to do it, and it was Jamie Raskin who did it! Oh, so when he gets on TV, they don't respect democracy. They don't accept elections that don't go their way. By they, he means his party. Democrats are so full of crap. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. And you talk about an embarrassment of Radio Riches. Here on Fox Across America, your home for top shelf radio in a bottom feeding political world. We've just received a call from the Senate chamber that Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, who almost got in a fist fight in the chamber moments ago, going to be joining us in the next hour. I did not know this. Yeah, well, we'll get into this. And it's probably the one thing you don't know because he knows everything else. The sun never sets on this guest's multimedia empire. And I have to say, he has come a long way since I took him under my wing here at Fox News. Mm. Uh, Superstar radio host, co-host of Fox and Friends, host of One Nation with Brian Kilmeade on Saturday nights. He's wrote 2 million books. I think is the official count. Is it 2 million? Is it 1.995? What I can confirm is the new one, okay? Teddy and Booker T, How Two American Icons Blazed a Path for Racial Equality. That author is Brian Kilmeade. He is here right now, and the crowd goes wild. Hey, man. All right. First, Jimmy, thanks for having me on. That was a long introduction. Many times I thought I was going to talk, and I, then I realized no, I No, I was just trying to run clock. Right. I need to make this as short for me as <laughs> I'm kidding. Great to see you. You said uh, it was a l- huge pause when you said embarrassing, and then you said of riches. Yes. Was that intentional? Well, no, no. Because at first I started, my self-esteem is so fragile. (laughs) Oh, no. Because you said embarrassing. You're hanging on every word. A little bit. What you're saying to the listeners is my delivery's too good. Too good. Right, yeah. (laughs) Listen to me. I'm kidding. It's great to see you. Congratulations on another great book. Um, We're very excited about it. We have a lot to get into, and I'll get there in a second, but I have some kill me questions as well. Okay, can we confirm for the listeners that you will be at the Patriot Awards on Thursday? Yeah, I'm going to be at the Patriot Awards on Thursday. Boom! There for your stand-up yep. to kick everything off. That's going to be a hot one, but everyone needs to know this because you are a Patriot Awards veteran, okay, that they need to come because it's a cable news petting zoo. 
They meet us. They watch the show. Uh, there's a booth where you can feed me handfuls of grain for a quarter. It's very interactive. Yeah. That, I prefer to sign books, but you prefer your, your thing. <laughs> I got to get the grain. You know what I mean? They want me getting more oats into my right. system down in wardrobe. You're going to be signing books. You're going to be doing your show. Uh, but if anybody's out there and they want to go, it's foxnews.com slash Patriot Awards. And it's absolutely epic. And the one thing I would say, and we'll move on, is I always call it the Oscars for camouflage. And I think you'd agree that in watching it, it's apolitical from the standpoint of the people we're celebrating are actually just good people that want to help people. Oh, yeah. It's so, it's so proud. It's such a great idea, mm-hmm. by the way, for Fox. It yeah. just works and mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. You know, you keep your Emmys, the actor that was just yep. on strike that did a great job as Napoleon. Yeah. You could keep that, <laughs> whoever that is. Uh, we just say, hey, here's a cop that pulled four people out of a, Thank a, you. a fire yeah. and now has uh, burns on their hands. I- and, you know, yeah, and just great military people that had great courage yeah. throughout the year. No, and I always say that. It should be required viewing for people because it would give them perspective. Like the Oscars, again, they honor a guy who pretended to save the day. Exactly. <laughs> right. And, These guys saved the day. <laughs> and you know what's so interesting? When you have an actor that's grounded, a good guy, yeah. like Kevin Costner, I hear by all accounts, I met uh-huh. him a couple of times, good guy. Yeah. He's almost like embarrassed. Like, sorry. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just pretending. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I really didn't do anything. You know? I know, but you appreciate the candor. Yeah. You know? Because the Oscars is the Baseball Hall of Fame if you were enshrining Roy Hobbs from The Natural, Robert right. Redford. Listen, I didn't really hit that ball into the lights. <laughs> I apologize. I don't even know how to swing. This is the Baseball Hall of Fame for the actual Babe Ruths of the world. Right. Gary Cooper's so good this way, you, how you bounce back from ALS. Yeah, it's right? amazing. I, that wasn't Gary right. Cooper's got skills, man. That's right. how he was a talented guy. So Brian Kilmeade is in the studio. Everybody's excited. Good get by the production team. Right. Mikey's, Mikey has actually put this on his resume on LinkedIn as of a moment ago. But should we tell everyone I'm right next to him? Now, that matters, okay? And this is more of a hostage situation than a consensual booking. But the fact remains, you've got to hustle in this business. You right, absolutely. You've got to get the good guests. Yeah. You've got to hustle. So let's get into this book. Because the last time we talked, we were talking about Frederick Douglass in your last book. This is Teddy and Booker. And you do like history, so I don't feel... Feel as though I'm pushing you into this. No, I want to say this, man. Social studies was like the one t- the one class I got a good grade in. Yeah, and it's funny that my son Lincoln. Did you like? Who's yeah? I love social studies. I had great teachers though, and that matters. Shout out to Mr. Gels if he's not in the bar yet. Oh, he's a yeah. Long Island guy. Odds are right. It's, it's one a, o'clock. Yeah, it's well Long Island. They live by the motto of it's six a.m. somewhere. <laughs> going, but even Lincoln failed. My son loves social studies, so this one's an exciting read for us. I don't know a lot of the Booker T story. I know plenty about Teddy, uh, but how did this one get, grab you? Why, why, why here? Why now? I don't know who told me to read up from slavery, but mm-hmm. if you want to read a book, you'll get through in a day mm-hmm. uh, in one sitting. It's so unbelievable. It is when you read it, you're thinking this is Napoleon Hill thinking grow rich. Mm-hmm. This is uh, Norman Vincent Peale, uh, uh, the power of positive thinking. It's Anthony Robbins, personal mm-hmm. power. What do I mean by that? Um, do what Jimmy. I'm taking your style. Okay. You ask yourself questions, and you don't want anyone to answer because you want to answer them, yeah. which I admire. <laughs> so, what do I mean by that? I mean, a guy, what, what if I told you there's a story of a nine year old kid that remembers being brought to the the house at the plantation with his mom and his brother, and being told by a Union soldier he's free. Wow! And then he ends up being the most successful, respected person in America at a time when segregation was thriving, sadly. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to Europe and is treated like a rock star mm-hmm. and wants to come back and make our country better. Then what if I told you, not only did he be successful, but his big success was we did for other people. And he brings you through that journey. Yeah. And it makes you want to read the other 16 books he wrote. 
And then I went to Tuskegee, mm -hmm. and we did an hour special. It's on Fox Nation. Hope it's going to air on the channel. And Tuskegee is the, the place he founded. Yep. And it started out with one leaky roof. It looked to me like a shed by the sketches. Mm -hmm. And it ends up being this sprawling campus that was graduating 1,500 people a year in the turn of the century, 20th century, while Harvard was about 1,200. Wow. And what were they doing, Jimmy? Stuff that you could probably do that I can't. I'm not handy. Mm -hmm. You could not graduate. I don't care if you're an American, English yeah. major unless you learned a trade, a skill, mm -hmm. which is why – I have Mike Rowe on it. I was texting him <laughs> quotes. Wow. I go, Mike, you're not going to believe this because he's all about blue collar, yeah, learn yeah, a skill, yeah. learn a trade. And I go, he would not graduate. We need that today, shopping. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, you're not graduating. And the black parents, one generation from slavery, were like, no, no, I don't want my kid working with his hands. I want him to get an education. He goes, yeah. no, white people in many sectors aren't ready to hire yet. You have to be indispensable. Mm -hmm. And instead of just overcoming a guy sitting in the storm in the South, in Alabama, and was able to impress people like Andrew Carnegie, J.P. Mm -hmm. Morgan, Julian Rosenwald, founder of Sears. And then when Teddy Roosevelt reads Up From Slavery, mm -hmm. he, he and his wife say, we got to meet this guy. Yep. They set up a meeting in New York City right here, 1901. They said, how can we work together? He goes, why don't you come visit me in Tuskegee? McKinley shot. He becomes president. He said, we found the letter. I apologize. I'm not going to be able to see you. Mm -hmm. I'm president. Wow. But i like you to see me. Biggest controversy ever, have mm -hmm. dinner at the White House, mm -hmm. never before been done, black man, white family. Yep. It was an outrage in certain sectors of the country, yep. referenced by John McCain after he lost to Barack Obama. It says, look how far we've come as a nation. Which is an incredible story, uh, compounded by the fact that in the modern America, we've torn down Teddy Roosevelt's statue Moved it. over some pretend racism at the museum. Of Isn't it uh, crazy? I'm doing a uh, feature for Fox Nation on a history of law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking with Ray Kelly, and I said, Ray would be a commissioner. Yeah. I would never say Ray. Commissioner, <laughs> I'd like to walk by Teddy Roosevelt's statue. It's right by you. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I got news for you. They boxed it. I go, what do you no, mean they boxed it? It was right before they left it. So we walked by. He was almost tears in his eyes because he looked up to Teddy Roosevelt. That's where he grew up. Yeah, and I, we, we went, used to go to Sagamore Hill as kids on Long Island. That's where we did a lot of the features. Oh, that's incredible. That's, that's amazing. So and his great-grandson runs the Roosevelt Center at Long Island University. Okay. So he remembers going there as a kid. That's great-grandma's house to him. Wow. And she had outlived him by decades. And she used to hear, he used to hear her talk about Teddy. So for him, he's, in his, he's 80. It's real to him. Yeah. That's, a, that's insane. Brian Kilmeade is in studio. The fantastic new book, Teddy and Booker T, How Two American Icons Blaze the Path for Racial Equality. The other value in reading a book like this for a lot of people is this perspective because it shows you how far we've come. Okay, you realize in the modern America where we're calling it oppression, you know, because someone's mad at a guy for kneeling during the national anthem who's making $30 million at a sporting event. Like, there's been quite a bit of progress made on the issue. And I think this perspective should almost be required viewing because a lot of people have kind of lost the plot in this country. Like, I almost feel, you know, but I always Absolutely. feel like that. And I feel like when you start to, you know, scrutinize former presidents, you realize, like, they were the best we had at the time. And we're only living in this world where we take exception to how they behaved 100 years ago because we progressed from it. And that's where somebody like Teddy Roosevelt, I think, is so valuable. I mean, he's one of the that's best. What, that's what they call a presentism. Yeah. This big thing about tearing down statues. I do this thing not, on, not as entertaining as Jimmy uh, Fallon. Stop it. He's buttering me up now. Right. But it's true. Uh, I do this thing before. I, I talk about my, my first two books about sports. Uh -huh. And I wanted to be great, and I wasn't. But I, what if you try and you don't succeed? I have no one telling me, don't worry about it. Success could be delayed, uh, not yeah. necessarily denied. 
And some of the lessons I learned, I put these other people in the book. But my transition to history Mm -hmm. is I go, but then this happened, the war in history. And I just play, um, play nothing but tearing down of statues, the outrageous statements that have happened. They just took Thomas Jefferson out of the city hall in New York City. Drives me crazy. Right? And the thing is just, so I play it. And that was my transition. I go, we're going to win this war in history. And it starts now. Good for you. So you you, it's essentially like, you know how Spider-Man got bit by a radioactive spider? You got bit in the park by a radioactive liberal. Yeah. <laughs> Tearing down a statue. I, I was enraged. I, I, you should have been. I'm rightfully so. And thank you for that. Right. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, look, uh, I thought 60 Minutes did a feature a couple of years ago mm-hmm. about what do you do about Confederate statues? If you're black and you think these people fought to make sure I stayed in chains, so he goes, put a plaque. Yeah. If you want a perspective, a plaque, how many slaves they owned, this is the time they yeah. had it. You want to put the next Jefferson, go ahead. Boom. Put his life in perspective. That's called a biography. Yeah. And then what you want to do, read more. It doesn't mean he wasn't a genius mm-hmm. and we wouldn't have the country without him. Yeah. And why is it? This is the best example. Uh, I got a Tuskegee. Mm-hmm. Excuse me? Yeah. I, I got to give Tyrus credit. Okay. Tuskegee, Tyrus said, you, when you're a slave, you have no last name. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the most popular last name for every slave was Washington? Oh, wow. If they were not offended that Washington had slaves... How dare we get offended today that you want to you you want to take down his statue in yeah. New York City, which they're voting on in New York City? Dude, think about this: Brian Kilmeade in studio. Go buy multiple copies. Teddy and Booker T: How Two American Icons Blazed the Path for Racial Equality. I covered on this network two summers ago a student at George Washington University who wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post calling for the cancellation of George Washington. That was the summer of 2020. I'm like, and at that point, we had reached the level of weapons-grade stupidity. Right, yeah. I don't know if there's another species in line that could take over if no it's dog. Not possible. <laughs> you know, you see a lot of dog pics on Instagram. Do you think we should give him a go? Like, the <laughs> remainder of Biden's term, we're just like, dogs are in charge. Right. I'd sign up for it. Well, I, just, me, I always end this. And tell me, you could tell me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But I said this, I, I had a brilliant observation. It's almost... Uh, Fail equality. Why is it that people are optimists always have to tell you first before they say something? Yeah. As if they're saying, what I'm about to tell you is totally not going to happen. <laughs> I'm an optimist. But I do think – I don't think I'm being an optimist when I say I think things are bouncing back. Yes. I think the cancel culture, the zenith of the cancel culture 100%. has happened. Because you want to know what happened? We, we outgrew it. In the sense that when it first started, the reason it was so prevalent is no one understood what it was. Social media was new, and every day we were getting out of bed, and we were ruining someone none of us had ever heard of because they had run afoul of polite society. And that kind of became just this digital quest for like a pound of flesh, and people kind of – Lopped, either lopped onto it or stayed away from it, but no one challenged it directly because it was so omnipotent coming at you. Like if you were a corporation, that's what it was. You canceled somebody because you thought it was them or you. You know, but if you waited out the storm, I think Chappelle probably played one of the most pivotal roles because he stood his he ground. Refused it. Netflix stood their ground and they were like, listen, you can't work here if that's how you feel. And then what power did they really have? Nothing. Yeah, I guess that was the moment and the pandemic on top of that. Yeah, it was a big so one. So it made everyone start thinking. Yep. See, when you turn your fire on everybody else and then all of a sudden you realize now I'm under arrest. Yep. Then you go, well, I make sure, maybe I should rethink that. Yeah, bottom line. And that's what happened is they exposed cancel culture because of pushback like the one you're making here. And we realized that the people doing the canceling are the same folks on social media that they were before social media. Meaning people nobody liked. You were never going to go to a party and be like, I can't wait till the guy who gets offended by everything shows up because that guy wasn't getting invited to a party anyway. Anyway. No, he wasn't coming. So my last thing, that's what you do when you stand up. You say, listen, if you're going to be offended, you can leave now because I'm going to say, I'm going to say one quick story to you because you're a comedian. This is what Booker T. Washington put in his speeches. 
And he said that it's a true story. He's waiting for a train, and a guy comes up to him after he had the dinner at the White House and said, white guy. So Booker, Booker T. Washington, he goes, I think you're the greatest man in America. He goes, you were just fantastic. He goes, no. He goes, sir, thank you. But the greatest man in America is uh, Teddy Roosevelt, President Teddy Roosevelt. And he goes, I used to think so until he invited you over for dinner. <laughs> oh, wow. No laughing. Just sat wow. there. So he sat there, and he told Teddy Roosevelt the same story, and he would say it. He goes, I realize I have to lead sleeping dogs lie. He had no idea he insulted me. Uh-huh. He thought that was the way. He goes, I can't change everybody. Yeah. But you have to pick your spot. <laughs> you got to you know, you, you gotta win the room. You right, know? Right. Maybe Section 12 doesn't laugh, but Sections 13 through 18 right. do. Well, think you about, know? I think about the story all the time to think about what I, he was dealing with in 1905. But that's, true, that's the true vision of a great leader. And I always say this in comedy. Your job is not to read the room. It's to lead the room. And he led the room. He understood he wasn't going to have every chair in the audience, yeah. but he got it done. He was Teddy Roosevelt. Can, listen, I, can I steal that line? What, listen, I, it's all Not good read stuff. The room, I know I'm the so room. eminently quotable. Right. I mean, I really make their job easy, don't right. I? Did you I, take that from Churchill? No, that's just Jimmy Fallon right there. That's really? just, I took Churchill that, should take that I from you. I took that from Nassau Community College. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Meaning me. Uh, the book, Teddy and Booker T, How the Two American Icons Blaze the Path for Racial Equality. This was epic, man. Thanks. I really appreciate you coming. BrianKillMe.com if you want a signed copy. And, Jimmy, I recommend you go there, too. I just want to make money off yeah. <laughs> Let's go, baby. <laughs> if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Back <laughs> after this. That's another good one. <laughs> You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi! Taxi! You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. There it is. Back in action on Fox Across America. Going to head back out to the GOP campaign trail. People are actually campaigning in the Republican Party. Democratic nominee not doing a single solitary event. He is currently 20 times by metric of dollars spent in public appearances behind the previous three incumbents in the United States. But the people running to replace Joe Biden are out there loud and proud. Uh, Here is Nikki Haley speaking to her favorables against Joe Biden, clip seven. We need to make sure that we have a new conservative leader. Republicans have lost the last seven out of eight popular votes for president. The way you do that is you send someone in there that doesn't just beat Biden by two or three points like Trump does. You get somebody that beats Biden between nine and 13 points. That way we win up and down the ticket, governor's races, congressional seats, all of those seats. Listen, man, okay, I don't care who you vote for. It's not my job. But she's not wrong when she says that someone with slightly less baggage helps you down ballot in the Senate, in the House. That's been the biggest you know, difficulty for Trump is they haven't achieved under him as a president and certainly not post-presidency. And it's not to say it's his fault because the candidates got to get out there and run the races. People are like, oh, Dr. Oz, OK, was endorsed by Trump and he didn't win. And you could say, yeah, Trump should have endorsed somebody better. But you can also say, yo, Dr. Oz, you lost to a guy who couldn't even speak at the time he ran for Senate. You gotta do better than that. Again, there but go the grace of, you know, there but for the grace of God go I, uh, when it comes to John Fetterman, I don't begrudge him his health issue. Okay, but you can't blame Trump, okay, for Dr. Oz being as bad as he was. You can bring up the fact that maybe he should have endorsed somebody better. But again, it's a little more nuanced than that. But the fact remains like somebody like Nikki Haley is getting into this thing with a lot less baggage. 
And of course, she has a lot more appeal to female voters and suburban swing voters, which is going to be the key to taking back the general. Will it translate down ballot? I don't know. I mean, the Democrats are going to call whoever runs a white supremacist, misogynist, transphobe. That's how it works. Okay, it's probably a little bit less effective with somebody who isn't the known commodity of a Trump or a DeSantis. But believe me, girlfriend's got her work cut out for her if she thinks she's getting by Big Don because he is fired up and ready to battle. Emily Campagno stopping by next. Everybody would vote for her. They're playing Def Leppard. That can only mean one thing, the human happy hour. Back in the studio. And for once, she did not walk in during the previous break while I was doing a live broadcast and startle me. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm not kicking down the door because I felt like it. But everyone, I exercised restraint. I was chatting with some friends outside. And so, you know, I came in politely. Emily Campagno is here uh, and in a former life. You know her now as the co-host of Outnumbered and the host of the Fox True Crime podcast. But in another life, I do believe you served warrants with a battery ram. Something like that. Like you should have. Or more like I was defending myself against warrants with a veteran. Just <laughs> kidding. Just like kidding. But you know what I was thinking about Give um, it to me. the other day? And you and I used to talk about this all the time because I thought it was so funny. We haven't talked about it for a while. But we're doing the Christmas tree lighting coming up. Oh, yes, we are. And everyone, me and Jimmy, since the first day that we've been here, we literally are constantly looking over our shoulders like, like when are we going to be found out that we actually shouldn't be here, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. there's outstanding warrants for our arrest, that we like they mixed us up with that other guy whose application was more sound. So when we went to the first Christmas tree lighting yes. of us being here, Jimmy and I, we stood in the back. True story. And we watched all of our colleagues on the risers have a beautiful presentation. And Jimmy and I were like, oh, yeah, that looks so nice. Look yeah, at maybe them. sometime we'll what get up nice there. Moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Warming <laughs> ourselves by like the homeless fire. Yep. And then the next episode was like, what are you like, what are you guys doing? And we were like, what do you mean? What were we doing? Like looking at each other like Wait, you we, mean we could go up there? We were invited? <laughs> we were wanted? <laughs> These mice, these trees. It was hilarious. So I laugh every time we start the proceedings again for the Christmas tree lighting here Uh at Fox News because you and I, we belong. Look at that. I mean, that's crazy. eternal foster puppy dude. It it turns out we burnt down the tree for nothing. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Shame on us. Yikes. Who knew? Whoops, awkward. Awkward. So that is uh, Monday. That's November the 20th. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. That's a hot one. You guys got to watch the Fox News tree lighting. Mm. Uh, It happens during the 5 p.m. hour on the 5. Uh, you'll probably see me in a festive jacket. Uh, I know you'll see Em in some Natalie attired gear. Uh, I'm thinking of my white faux fur. That You know what, right now, because you have something going on right now, you guys, if you're not watching on Fox Nation, yeah. she's a fine business attire, I guess I'd call it. It's like red pants and a, a whitish this is Kennedy's. cream color. Okay, Ken- great. Yeah, she, well, you she, look like the CEO of the North Pole. You're welcome. Not like Mrs. Chloe. You actually <laughs> look like you walk around the North Pole. Uh, the naughty list, y'all, has been a little long this year, and I need to... It, it, you know, whatever. She's giving Reindeer a, are looking a little she's giving long a, hair disheveled. <laughs> she's giving a PowerPoint to some elves after this. Um, oh, hi, Santa. I noticed you were helping yourself to twice the amount of cookies this year. We need to trim costs. <laughs> trim the fat. I would be a great Santa CEO. You'd be, you'd be efficient. You know that? You'd be, yes. a, you'd be efficient. And I'd not, also be drunk. 
Well, there's that. Okay, a lot of eggnog. <laughs> you know, when, so let, me ask, let me ask you this, since you brought this right into holiday world. When do you pull the goalie? I'm not talking about on the weekends. I'm talking about, like, you're off from outnumbered. It's Christmas now. You're going to where you're going to be for the holidays. Do you wait till Christmas Eve to pull the goalie? Or are you somebody who bottoms out on the Are we talking about family planning? Why do you keep I'm, using I'm not, that phrase? Pull the goalie. The meaning, no. Meaning the phrase is, like, when do you, like, I, like, I go through about a 72-hour window where I am not Con- I am not concerning myself with how much I've eaten or, or drank. And that I usually have about a 72-hour window around the holiday for me. When do you reach that point of no return? I already reached it <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Um, I've been in a slovenly, excited, hedonistic state ever since. And it <laughs> coincided with me putting up my tree, not lying, over a week ago. Stop it. I put up my tree last Sunday night. I started watching Christmas movies, like, for real Christmas movies, last weekend. Mm-hmm. I watched one last night on the way home on the train. Uh-huh. Um, no, I'm in full-fledged Christmas mode, so I – look at my nails, man. They're red. So <laughs> I, I have been imbibing and indulging. I mean – Good for you. This is as far back as I can remember, but you have to think of a different phrase than pull the goal. I was like, what are you doing? That's I mean, not the right phrase, well, dude. Yeah, pull the goal. You go on offense. You just – you add extra offensive players. Oh, I guess it's my head that's in the gutter. Yeah, so stick with Everyone me. else knows oh, what I you, mean. Oh, you – oh, oh. That's why I was like, why are you – that's – Oh, yeah. Emily said yeah. <laughs> pull the goal. I love it when you talk dirty. I see that's what you're like, saying. Are you talking about family planning? Oh, why are you asking me Oh, this? okay. Well, anyway, let's clean it up. Family anyway. program. Emily, come on. Yeah, the bottom here. line is Merry Christmas since – November 1st. The, the bottom line is ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've established the bottom line, Emily. Well, Takes great one to, to see no one. I guess. We kid. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, we, we, are, we are excited for Santa. We are excited uh, to stop playing culinary defense. So my window is shorter than yours. That's all I mean. I know you've been annoyingly trim lately. And- I'm not even like trim, though. That's the point. I'm just in no, better are. shape. You I got a lot good. to do. Thanks, you order pal. scallops at dinner. I'm the one getting scallops. the extra bacon double cheeseburger. The waiter <laughs> comes, walks. When we, me and Jimmy are having dinner, the waiter always tries to give me the salad. I'm like, no, no. That's for Jimmy. I'm the one that ordered the double ribeye. Can I tell you something? If you if you hung out with Lincoln for 48 hours, you would weigh 1,200 pounds. Because you remember like a 14-year-old boy never stops eating. Like last night after Waters, okay, I got home 10 o'clock, okay? Lincoln's like, hey, what happened to those steaks you were defrosting? <laughs> so two frying pans come out. We make four ribeye steaks, 10.30 last night. The butter, the olive oil. And the way I make a steak, guys, if you listen, if you want to know how to cook a steak really quick, let's give them some, Em. Let's get, I'll tell you how this works, okay? All I'm doing to a porterhouse steak, you guys, okay, is dry it with paper towels, pat it down, salt it within an inch of its life, okay? I throw it in a frying pan for about three minutes to sear it on one side, okay? Olive oil in a frying pan, just a little salt, sear it on one side. Flip it over, put a little butter underneath it, a little butter on top, and then I throw it into the oven at 450, and it sits in the oven for about six or seven minutes, and it's magnificent. Like, it'll change your life steak. It's actually ruined steakhouses for us. No, it's amazing. And, uh, like, even, like, it's funny because Lincoln, you know, if he comes to visit me at Fox, I'll be like, hey, you want to go to, like, Bobby Vans or something, which you know is my favorite place on earth. And he's like, could you make a steak at home? It's better. Oh, cute. I, it's adorable. As Bobby Vans just turned down the volume in the kitchen because they, <laughs> they listen to the show. They're like, oh, the s- signal's getting really bad. But it's okay. Everyone should feel that the only place that has better cooking than their favorite restaurant is their own kitchen. That's, yes. how, that's exactly how it should be because at the end of the day, the best cooking in the whole world should be your parents, should be your grandparents, should be your home, right? Thank you. So Bobby V, you're, they're still number one because no yeah. one will ever replace that. And that stakes, that sounds, I'm literally qual- like mm-hmm. calculating in my head, you know, when's the next time I'm going to be around an oven 
that I can make that for myself. We Ooh, shall see. Sometime we'll, we'll get sometime one of our week. we'll get one of our fresh air fun trips going where we take you out to the suburbs. But continue. What would be your number one Christmas wish gift this year? It can be esoteric or it can be like this toy. Like it can be anything. Number one this year. That's a good one. Probably Megan Fox. I'm kidding. Where's everybody going? Jenny, I love you, baby. <laughs> Honey. Well, I thought we had something. Only you would want Machine Gun Kelly's no, leftovers. No, I'm being silly. Soon. I just thought it was Brian a good Austin I, Green. It actually, the reason the timing of that joke was so good is because I actually couldn't think of a celebrity I'd be interested in. I didn't mean it that way. I, <laughs> I know, meant like I know, you know. I know because he's world peace. I know. I know. No, I know. A big steak. I get what you were going for. I have a bad history with this. I was filling in on the five ones. Okay, it's a great story. And we were doing a segment on the year the movie Love Actually came out. And it was about how, if you remember last year, the director of Love Actually was performatively censoring himself. Yes. He's like, looking back, it wasn't diverse enough. I'm like, dude, that doesn't matter, okay? First of all, that movie was perfect. Okay. Just the way it is. Love Actually was a successful film because women felt the way Emily did and guys wanted to sleep with them. So they played along and they went to the theater and they were like, yeah, this is great. I love the little dance recital number. But that's why it was successful. Women loved it. Guys played ball. But anyway, she goes, well, it came out in 2002. What was your favorite movie in 2002? I was like, oh, I was about 19. Horny Housewives 2. <laughs> And bam, a lump of coal came down, it's raining down. So weird they right haven't had me back since. I kid. I kid. But sometimes the candor. Uh, no, if I could have one thing, and this is obviously I think the greatest contribution we try to make to broadcasting is for everyone just chill out. That's it. Chill out. I, I truly wish we could get a moratorium on social media, like a national one for like a week, where people – like we could agree to like an armistice where we were all going to put down digital devices for a week and remember what it was like to be human again. Because I think so much of the problems, so many of the problems facing society right now are accelerating because we're, social media kind of incentivizes conflict in that way. And you're rewarded for making the problem worse, meaning characterizing your opponents in this big meatball of badness. Mm-hmm. You know, And I don't think that's good. So I think if, with the exception of like what people do on Insta, pets, here I am, here I'm cooking, things you're doing is very positive and charitable, good. But political discourse, if we had 10 days off, be the most helpful thing in the world, you know? I don't mind the quizzes. Uh, what Backstreet Boy would you be, you know? Clearly Lance Bass. Oh, that's insane, right? <laughs> but the point is, it's the other stuff that I think has to go. So I think I, I think I always say, like, I just want everyone to chill out. That's what I'm going for, be a force multiplier, positive energy. I think everybody could just calm down. And I know calm down is not a successful phrase. Mo- 90% of the people who tell someone to calm down get hit with a golf club by a person who doesn't even play golf, which is the irony. But I think I'd want him to calm down. What would you want now that I just pulled a Miss America and wished for world peace 100%. after previously wishing for a piece of Megan Fox? I'm like what writing down want? clearly runner up. Um, <laughs> so you want to let's go to detox. Miss California now. The, clearly, the, clearly Miss, the, the winner. Miss Bay Area. All right. Two, two wishes. Mm-hmm. The, the physical one. I'll start the other way around, actually. I would just like a little more peace and quiet next year. I feel as we draw this year to a close. I love that it's like November 5th and I you know. and I are like, Happy New Year! <laughs> but whatever. You're the one who put on Christmas know, music in I August. <laughs> that I, a little more peace and quiet next year. I think this year was a massive tornado. A meatball, you said, of, of bat. Like, of this re- is a meatball yeah. of awesome. Yeah. It, was a, it was a tornado of awesome. But I think next year I need a little bit more quiet to oh, myself. Wow. And yeah. then in the physical, a radar detector, Ooh. which I've been asking for for every Christmas. For every year since I can remember, and I've never gotten it. Is that true? Yes. Wow, of all the things. Because this is the one, 
it's, no, it's, I, what I mean is the fact thing that you I want need it. The most. I'm not shocked that you didn't get it because they feel like they're encouraging you to drive worse than you already do. Well, it's illegal in a couple states. Yeah, and that's a, still that's whatever. them looking out for you. Half we half of the things we have in our apartments. Are but illegal. can I tell you something? For all you do for law enforcement and charities, and the fact that you are a beloved TV personality, <laughs> if you can't get yourself out of a ticket, <laughs> you don't deserve oh. to get out of a ticket. Dude, what do you, I don't pull that car. When I get I don't pulled mean over, like, you know why I'm at Fox Square, News. I'm like, I mean, yes, they know sir. you and like you and you're respectful. That's all I meant. I didn't mean like, <laughs> I'm just so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> do you know who I am? I That's what you that. want me to say? Dude, can I tell you something? Dude. In a million years. In a billion years, I would never tell anybody, even if I knew they loved me where I worked, because, of course, that that could create the potential for someone to get try to use where you work oh, against really? you. No, people stop me on the street. I say I work at CNN, you know, anything <laughs> like that. Dude, yeah. did we ever talk about on air what happened on the street with us? We, oh, the, the people we ran the into? The Conjury. Oh, I'm, Jimmy conjured me. It was, it was yeah. awesome. It w- so Jimmy and I were heading to dinner because what else do we do? We are, we're always eating. We do. We're walking down the street. Jimmy goes earlier than I am because we're meeting at the restaurant. So I'm sort of running behind. So I'm walking faster. And I see him talking to a, a wonderful young couple. Mm-hmm. And I, in that split second, I made eye contact with you. And mm-hmm. I thought about just like flipping you the bird and walking by like a joke. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'll stop it and like sit, you know, see who he's talking to, whatever. Yeah. And then I, so I pop in and I'm just like, oh, hey. And then I got to do this justice. Okay. So these people recognize me on the street. Stop me. We love you. You're funny. You're great. You're this, you're that. You should probably work out more, but we love you anyway. (laughs) And we love this. So great though, because like you're literally like, it's so cinematic that you're probably a half a block away at this point. And I only notice you because of your energy. Emily bounces when she walks down the street. (laughs) It's like a little hop. It's like almost like a weird, it's almost like a skip, like you're on a hoverboard or something. But anyway, she's on her like a little hoverboard bouncing up 6th Avenue, okay? If you know New York City, we're on the east side of 6th Avenue heading north, okay? I'm under a scaffold with two people from Florida who recognize me and love me and go, we watch Gutfeld every night. We love you, and we just love Emily Campagna. We DVR outnumbered every day because we're both at work, but we love her so much, and we love when she's on her show, and you're just walking towards them, and they don't know it because they're facing me, but I see you coming from the other way. It's like the greatest. It's like in pro wrestling when a guy's running out of the locker room to hit the opponent with a steel chair. Like, they don't see you coming out of the locker room with a steel chair. So you're just like walking and walking and walking, and then you made the decision to dive bomb the conversation. And she's like, hey, guys. And it looked like something on a daytime talk show where it was like, if you could ask anything to Emily you want. Well, guess what? She's here. And the crowd's like, yeah! It was great. I cannonballed into the conversation. I literally cannonballed in oh it was they hugged and cried and i stole their wallets i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) took everything they had dinner on them dinner on them uh emily epic as always watch out numbered every day check out the fox true crime podcast i'll let you get back to your felice navidad christmas winter wonderland (laughs) we're back after this the show not afraid to call out both sides of the aisle he's the other side's worst nightmare this is fox across america with jimmy Fallon. There it is. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Diamond Dave Landau. Bell of the Comedy Bowl. He joins us in the next hour along with Oklahoma Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, who almost got into a fight in the Senate earlier today. Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. That's pretty much what he said. We'll get his take on a fight that was ultimately broken up by Bernie Sanders, 
who was the voice of reason. You're in the United States Senate. Calm down. That whole thing. Pretty crazy. Right now, we got all kinds of pandemonium breaking loose on the 2024 GOP campaign trail. Hot rumor is that Jamie Dimon, who runs things down at J.P. Morgan, one of the most influential financial figures anywhere in America, is on the verge of endorsing Nikki Haley, uh, which, of course, could drive additional DeSantis towards her and wouldn't necessarily constitute bad news for Trump right away, but could very well be the death of a guy like Ron DeSantis. There's a slob. There's a real slob. Okay, here is Haley uh, speaking to her momentum, clip eight. You've got Trump that's flatlined. You've got DeSantis that's falling in the polls, and we continue to go up. And we've had a great, um, we had a great last debate. We had, um, we raised a million dollars in the in 24 hours past the debate, and we're going to go work hard to earn every Iowan, every Granite Stater, and every South Carolinian okay. vote. Okay, so that's Nikki Haley saying, "Here we come." Now, listen, can she close the gap on Trump? It remains to be seen. But what you need to know between now and the Iowa caucuses, which is the very first uh, contest on the bill, is as Iowa goes, DeSantis goes. Like, and that's a known quantity. He's made it a point within his campaign to visit all 99 counties. I believe they're at maybe 95 by now. They're at a big number. And they've been all over the map, to their credit. They are fighting the ground war. But DeSantis, for whatever reason... Uh, needs a lift, and not just in his cowboy boots. And as far as the donors go, as far as the money is concerned, okay, if he doesn't win Iowa or come perilously close to doing so, the party is over. Get him out of here. Get him out. Okay, as for Haley, that would consolidate the, the field a little more because Burgum doesn't count. Asa Hutchinson doesn't count. Chris Christie clearly misunderstood his doctor when he told him to run more. Okay, but as Nikki Haley goes, I got to tell you, man, okay, she's got real momentum. How she uses it to either combat Trump or join his ticket as the vice president, I guess, is the question from here. But here is Haley taking a direct shot at Trump, clip six. Well, I think, first of all, you know, I think certainly Trump has um, some strong support. I've always said he was the right president at the right time, and I agree with a lot of his policies. The problem is drama and chaos follow him, whether fairly or not. It is constantly following him, and Americans feel for it, feel it. And so I think you can look at that with our elections over and over again. We pay the price for it. And I think what's really important is we need to have someone who can win the general election as well. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's not going to sit well at Mar-a-Lago. Get her out. Get her out of here. I kid. But I'll tell you something. She's not wrong. But just how right she is remains to be seen. This primary is going to get so good. Dave Landau will join us for his own assessment when we come back on Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Is it ever? And we are back in action For just, I mean, man, oh boy, oh man. I want to say a big hour. Can you say big hour? You might say a plus-sized hour. The point is, there's a lot going on. Mark Wayne Mullen, Oklahoma senator, almost got in a fistfight on the Senate floor less than an hour ago. He takes us inside that little standoff. 
Diamond Dave Landau, comedy sexiest man, is going to stop by as well for a State of the Union in regards to the big summit tomorrow between Joe Biden and Xi Jinping. They are out in San Francisco where Gavin Newsom has just removed all of the tent cities and the junkies and the homeless people and all the hobbits going poop on the sidewalk. And why did he get rid of them? Because he wanted to make a good impression on the world. We're going to discuss that in this hour because I think, I think, if Xi Jinping qualifies for a good impression, I think the people who actually live in this country, who aren't communist dictators, might deserve some consideration as well. I think he's got a point. Yeah, and the point is the people running us right now are just a bunch of circus clowns. 888-788-9910 if you want to discuss it. Really quick, let me walk you through this Newsom thing because it's the funniest thing in the world. Okay, this goes back to last Thursday. It was announced that we're having this summit in San Francisco. Joe Biden has agreed to meet with Xi Jinping. I don't remember that ever happening. It did, though. They made the agreement. Xi Jinping's on his way here. Gavin Newsom says, hey, we got to clean up, and they did. In in less than 24 hours, they got rid of all the homeless encampments. They got rid of all the junkies, meaning if they wanted to do this for everyday Americans, they absolutely could. Bingo, man, bingo. So the explanation you get out of Gavin Newsom right now, it's hilarious because he's admitting, yeah, you know, this is embarrassing. We don't want to show it to the world. You know, when you have company over, you hide the stuff, you put everything away. But in this instance, okay, he's putting away people. He's not putting away their sweatshirts and their sneakers like we do, you know, if someone's coming over and Lincoln's left his stuff all over the living room. And to be clear, I'm just not trying to besmirch my son because there's a very good chance I've left my stuff there too. Bingo, man, bingo. Okay, but the point is, as Jenny is trying to get the house in order, with my help, I actually do, uh, when it comes to company and stuff like that, I do think Jenny would admit that I'm very helpful. You're not telling me the truth. No, it's not true. I actually am. And uh, when you're scrambling in that last few minutes to put stuff away, you're putting away possessions. You're not putting away actual people, treating them like they're less than a pair of sneakers. Meaning these lives don't matter to Gavin Newsom. The quality of life in San Francisco doesn't matter to Gavin Newsom. Just creating the appearance of a thriving city is what matters. And, folks, that's not leadership. That's showbiz. This is politics as usual. Here is Newsom speaking to the accusation, clip 30. I know folks say, oh, they're just cleaning up this place because all those fancy leaders are coming into town. Um, That's true because it's true. But it's also true for months and months and months prior to APEC, we've been having different conversations. This guy's a serious ass. For months and months and months, we've been having different conversations. Yo, do you know what different conversations means? We haven't been doing a gosh dang thing. Different? What does different conversations mean? This street is littered with tens of thousands of junkies. Needles everywhere. I love San Francisco. It breaks my heart what it's become. Because I used to go there a lot. I've taken Jetty and Lincoln there. I've been there performing. Okay, I love it out there. Okay, we've got a killer affiliate in Sonoma. Fantastic place. We've got Fela Wine out there. 
I have no affiliation, by the way. I drink it like I own it, but I, no, I don't actually have any affiliation whatsoever. But the point is, okay, I love that area, but what they've let it become is an embarrassment. And you understand when Newsom says, oh, I know they're saying we're just cleaning up because the fancy leaders are coming to town, and that's true. But it's also true for months and months and months we've been having different conversations. Garbage like you just makes me sick. That's Democrat for we're not doing anything. Bingo. Here's a little bit more. Clip 29. Anytime you put on an event, by definition, you know, you have people over your house. You're going to clean up the house. Uh, you're going to make sure the kids you know, make their beds. You know, take the socks, you know, let's put them in the drawer, in the hamper. Uh, and that, that's, you know, you have 21 world leaders. You've got tens of thousands of people coming from all uh, around the globe. Uh, what an opportunity to showcase the world's most extraordinary place, San Francisco. This is a crown jewel. I was just with President Xi. First thing he talked about was San Francisco. That was embarrassing. Really was. I think President Xi is impressed by San Francisco. <laughs> President Xi is a world leader, knows that you clean up areas when you visit. They know you're putting your best foot forward. So I don't doubt there's a square block of San Francisco that's still appealing. But most of San Francisco, and I do mean this, it's sad. Okay, it's a human safari. Do you remember the thriller video where Michael Jackson's walking home with the girl after the movie? Things go sideways. And now all of a sudden Michael Jackson's surrounded by all the people who come up out of manholes. Okay, growing up, I thought that those people were actually actors. It turns out it's just the population of San Francisco is what you're actually looking at in that moment. Every, it's sad. It's not good. They're torn apart. Their clothes, their faces, they're, you know, rattled by drugs, just absolutely throttled the quality of life. Big corporations can't afford to stay there anymore. Places like Nordstrom and Target are fleeing. Whole Foods, which is owned by Amazon which is the richest company in America, can't afford, okay, to stay there because Gavin Newsom has turned downtown San Francisco and filled it with extras from the Thriller video. It's horrifying to watch. Although, if we're going to be honest, looking back on the Thriller video, I think the most shocking part was that Michael Jackson had a girlfriend. He's totally false. Okay, but the reality is his indifference to everyday Americans is what he's showcasing by doing this. Yeah, people say we're just cleaning up because the fancy leaders are coming off. And that's true. Let me play it for you again. Listen to the insanity of this because he's telling you that, you know, it's true. I'm owning it because he thinks this is a wise political move because then he also tacks on that we've been having conversations. When it's clear conversations aren't what cleans up the streets of San Francisco. You know what cleans up the streets of San Francisco? Cleaning up the streets of San Francisco. Here it is, clip 30. I know folks say, oh, they're just cleaning up this place because all those fancy leaders are coming into town. Um, That's true because it's true. But it's also true for months and months and months prior to APEC, we've been having different conversations. I mean, dude, come on, Gavin Newsom. Are you serious? You're the lowest form of life on earth. You're so ugly you can be a modern art masterpiece. Are you little maggot? You make me want to vomit. Here are some residents reacting on the legendary KTVU, clip 31. Some people say this should be how it's always done. What about the people who are here year-round, you know, in, like, local, hardworking, working-class Bay Area folks? What about them? Nothing. Here's a little more, clip 32. 
City leaders are making sure the city shines. BART doubling down by deep cleaning their stations overnight more often. Scrubbing and power washing is happening all over the city. It's noticeable how clear the streets look and how few homeless encampments there are on major thoroughfares. Public Works is installing decorative crosswalks in North Beach and Chinatown. And the Webster Street pedestrian bridge in Japantown was recently repainted. Think about that. And Gavin Newsom gets on with a straight No, it's we've been having different conversations the last couple of months. Don't you have any respect for yourself? But there's a bigger caveat here, and I think everybody's missing the point. Okay? It's that... The politics are always more important than the people, number one, and I think we understand that because he's openly admitting he wants to go for a better optic for the world leaders than he's been giving to his constituents. He's flat out admitting it. No, no, we got the fancy leaders coming, and that's true. And it's very important that if you're going to have people, you showcase the the city, and you want to give them a very good picture of the quality of life in San Francisco. Now, it doesn't matter that the minute this is over, okay, it's like the Oscars. You fold up the stage and the red carpet and take down the paparazzi tents, and everyone does their cocaine and shags each other, and uh, they go home. The Oscars are over. Go to your doctor. Get that looked at if the color doesn't change in a couple more days. No! Oh, no, no! Okay, but there's a second level to this that no one's giving you anywhere in politics. Everybody's attacking this at a surface level. I've seen it all over my channel. I've seen it all over every other channel that's covering it. Yes, he's showing an indifference to his constituents in San Francisco by cleaning it up for Xi Jinping and not for them. But what a lot of people don't realize is Newsom just met with Xi Jinping over in Beijing. Okay, he's now about to meet with him and host him here in San Francisco. Okay, the politics Newsom is worried about have nothing to do with the optics for Xi Jinping, but the optics for the upcoming general election. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. What I'm trying to say is this is not a sign that he's trying to sweet talk Xi Jinping. This is a sign that he's trying to sweet talk voters when he runs for the general election. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. That's what's going on. He knows San Francisco is the biggest eyesore in the state. He knows it's the one thing every outlet cuts to when it's time to disparage his leadership in California. He's not cleaning it up for Xi Jinping. He's cleaning it up for himself. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Sir, I wish you was in the truck with me when I was building my plumbing company. Myself and my wife was running the office because I sure remember working pretty hard and long hours. Pretends like he's self-made. What a clown. Fraud. Always has been. Always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. Sir, this is a time, this is a place. You want to run your mouth? We can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold, stop it. Is that your Sorry. solution? Every poll. No, no, sit down. Sit down. Okay. You know, you're a United States senator. Sit down. Oh, okay. okay. Sit down, please. 
No, that was not the WWE, although it sounded like it at times. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. Hulkamania nearly running wild, courtesy of our next guest, Oklahoma Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, who almost came out of retirement on the Senate floor. Hey, man. What's up, Jimmy? So I guess you weren't lying about going to that gym. No, I wasn't. But, you know, this guy, you know, someone came to me earlier today and they said, uh, they said, was that conduct of a United States senator. I said, I'm a guy from Oklahoma first. You don't run your <laughs> mouth like that in Oklahoma unless you're willing to stand up and back it up. Thank and it's you. that simple. This guy's some, he's a, he's a, he's a union teamster boss who said he wants to bring back the mob mentality mm-hmm. after he was elected president. And, uh, he just, he ran his mouth off to the wrong person, I guess. <laughs> oh, Mark Wayne Mullen on the line. If you're just joining us, uh, now we this kind of dates back to the summer. Uh, did you know that this this showdown was in the offing today? Was this a surprise I, confrontation? Where how did this go down? I found out about it Friday. Okay. Um, and uh, and I, honestly, I was I was out of the country. I was in Djibouti Ooh. and visiting the the um, our, our troops or our, our um, yeah. National Guard troops that were deployed there, mm-hmm. and spent uh, Veterans Day with them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I got back late last night. I mean, I came back. Yeah, uh, we flew in late last night, so I didn't get a lot of time to to necessarily prepare for it. But I knew he was, you know, I knew he was going to be there. I just didn't. Yeah, yeah, didn't know how his reaction was going to be. But <laughs> I had full intentions of calling him out. But I love it. I mean, if you're hanging out with the veterans, which we, of course, appreciate, it must have gotten you into your veteran mindset. <laughs> well, now, mind you, I, I did I did special assignments outside DOD, so mm-hmm. I was never I was never a, a veteran. I never put the the uh, uniform on with the flag on my side. Okay, so, I just uh, meant you. Were, I just meant you were in yeah. combat mode yeah. after hanging out with yeah. those guys. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Which I understand. I love your characterization of this, though. You're in, you're a guy from Oklahoma first. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I love it. I think it's great. Well, I mean, and, it, you know, uh-huh. you get these people from some of these cities, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm not saying everybody. I'm sure there's a lot of tough people there. And, and, and of course, you know, later on today, I had that Toby Keith song in my head that I was that I ain't as good as I once was, and I was good once as I ever was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to remind myself I'm a, I'm 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 40. Well, well this is what I wanted to talk to you about, okay? So let's say now that you've heard the song, right? What happens if you know this is a time, this is a place? What happens if you lose? Man, I'd be happy. Oh, lose? No, come on. <laughs> lose is not option. What if this guy mops the floor with you? Well, if he does, you won't be hearing from me for a long time because I'd be the most embarrassed guy in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't an option, Jimmy. That never crossed my mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you play to you play to win the game. You were, you know, you you. All right, so so I get it. So this, you consider this guy. Okay, we're just throw out the Senate and everything else. It's just you and me talking. Like you consider yeah. this guy like a homecoming opponent. You this is the kind of guy you schedule when you want to win in front of the home fans. So you consider actually, the, an easy fight. That's actually a relative point. And listen, I I have no beef with the guy. I have nothing I to prove. I, I used to get paid to fight. I'm not. I fight yeah. for free. It it. I mean, actually, there's a little bit of it does sound fun, but it, it's not something I've 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 done since I've since I've yeah. You'd be coming you know, honestly, out of professional yeah. fighting retirement. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you mm-hmm. don't. But this guy, he he tweeted at me five times before I finally answered back to him, mm-hmm. and then to say anytime, anywhere, uh, or anytime, yeah. any place, you know where to find me, mm-hmm. uh, cowboy. I'm just like, <sighs> okay. <laughs> and and so at some point you got to put them in their place. Fair. And I, I, you know, honestly, when I shot back then, I was like, "There's no way this guy's going to accept it because he's a thug." 
Um, and at the end of it, he's like, you know, I didn't mean it like that. I, I meant to, you know, I, I meant like sit down, let's have a cup of coffee. And I said, all right, if you want to sit down and have a cup of coffee, we can. I mean, guys, I used to fight. I, I, I'm friends with today. Yeah. You know, we, we, we it's, it's not personal to me. It's yeah. just that yeah. every now and then, you yeah. know, you, yeah. it's, it doesn't hurt for you to get a butt whooping. Yeah, but I <laughs> put things in perspective. Listen, I, my, my, my producer pays to get one on Craigslist, so I don't doubt it. <laughs> I don't doubt it. You don't want to see the company Amex on this show. Oh, man, the, the explanations I've had to give to HR. I'm like, no, no, they're wrestling tickets with uh, Mistress X. Uh, she's the, yeah. she's the, really, she's the WWE champion, Mistress X. Uh, I love this, although I want to tell you this as a New Yorker. I am concerned that your radar's off. Him inviting you for coffee is not uh, him trying to dial things down. It's oh, him yeah. getting you alone so he can throw the coffee in your eyes and then pounce. I'm a New Yorker. That's how it goes down. Yeah, yeah, but I, I've Did been in those about situations that? before. Okay. You know, I totally. And, you know, that we, we get that. My Our death threats last time went through the roof, and mm-hmm. I'm sure they're not going to be different this time either. And, you know, this is what I said, too, even after that. But this has nothing to do with unions. Yeah. This has nothing to. This has to do with O'Brien, uh-huh. not unions. If you want to be, if you want to be a union, that's fine. If you want to be a union about that's fine. Don't be a thug, though. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, that's what that's what he Amen. is. I mean, he he's been in in, in uh, uh, I mean, in 2013, he was mm-hmm. suspended by his own union for threatening mm-hmm. union members. In 2014, he was um, accused of of. Uh, of organizing threats to the uh, chef um, film crew, yep. and uh, and you know there was tire slice and five members were, wow. were five teamsters were arrested and mm-hmm. 2017 he was removed from the negotiating table. By then, by President or the uh, mob boss, yeah. Or well, boss, the point but, is really quick, so I don't lose you because we're yeah. 30 seconds out. Uh, yeah. Guys like this that are thug tough guys, they respect force, so you offer them some. Yeah. Uh, my advice going forward is if you want to beat somebody up, come here, throw on a blonde wig, and rough up Mikey. You'll save me a bunch of cash. <laughs> well, don't know if I want to be caught picture with the blonde wig, but it All sounds right, like well, fun anyway. We can destroy the evidence for an extra charge. Good stuff, Senator. Sure. I appreciate you, brother. Right. Keep playing good ball. There he goes. Oklahoma Senator Mark Wayne Mullins still ranked number one. They are playing the Motor City Madman, Ted Nugent. And that can only mean one thing. I believe we're about to be joined by the pride of the Motor City, comedy sexiest man. I believe when you rank the achievements of the great city of Detroit, Michigan, I believe it goes this gentleman, then I believe Ford is probably right below that. I guess you'd put the 84 Detroit Tigers right below that. Maybe Joe Lewis, the Brown Bomber, greatest heavyweight fighter of all time, uh, also uh, worth your attention. But joining us now is the man at the tippy top of the rankings in the great state of Michigan. I am talking about Diamond Dave Landau. Hey, girl. Hey, baby. How you doing? I was building you up because Mikey was late calling you, and I realized I had let the guitar bed run to the point that the lyrics were going to start, which is a no-no in radio. You know what I'm saying? Now, thankfully, I, Josh had I trimmed understand. it out, but things were getting dicey. So I, I grouped you. I, I had ranked you above the Ford Motor Company as Michigan's proudest achievement. Do you agree or disagree with the assessment? Um, I would say I'm, I'm a little above them now, maybe not in the heyday. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> but uh, back uh, back when we built cars uh, in the city, yeah, not Mexico, it was pretty good. <laughs> we were we were all we, we were almost called we were known as the Motor City. Believe it or not, <laughs> we, it's sad. But yeah, we used to be known known as that. And mm. uh, I, you know, I, Barry Bonds would have been a good one. Joe Lewis, I appreciate that. Yep. I appreciated the comparison. Brown Bomber. Um, yep, so fair. amazing fighter. Thank you. And. Uh, but a, yeah. a lot of people don't know that that fist statue has nothing to do with boxing. Is that true? No. This, uh, no, that's just some bad habits. That's just how hard they, yeah, just, <laughs> <laughs> Never buy a used laptop from that guy. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, all right, yeah, let's, let's clean it up, sir. That's, that's more about corruption. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair. Good pivot. Good pivot, Dave Landau. Uh, is it my understanding you're going to be in Jersey this weekend? I am. I'm going to be at the Comedy Cove in Springfield, New Jersey. Oh, the Comedy Cove. Yes. My life is going down. It's a spiral. (laughs) So if people want to come out and see me at the club I used to play. (laughs) Nice year weekend. Listen, the the magic of stand-up comedy, okay, is, you know, when you're on stage, it's all the same venue. You know what I mean? You could be playing 2,000 people. You could be playing the Comedy Cove. Okay. When you're in the pocket facing live ammo, it's all the same. You're in charge. You're doing the damn thing. But there are subtle reminders that the venue has changed. So I'm going to tell you this because you do all kinds of fabulous theaters and clubs. Uh, I'm opening the Patriot Awards at the Grand Old Opry on Thursday. But Friday, but Friday, I'll be in a comedy club down in Naples at the Off the Hook Club, which is a fabulous club. But I would imagine a room that seats 250 probably feels different than a room that seats 15,000. You know what I'm saying? So I will be right there with you in spirit. And, uh, you know, I think if anything, you have the advantage on this one because you're in Jersey. And, you know, the thing about doing stand up in Jersey, as you know, is you cannot offend a Jersey audience. You could try. I've tried. No. I believe you've tried. Have you not tried everything you could? I have tried and tried, and they just they. There's nothing worse than their lives. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, of course, kidding. I, I do know. love Jersey. I, I I used to spend my summers in Atlantic City because uh, you know my parents had problems. No, uh, <laughs> for real. I. Uh, but we, uh, my uncle ran valleys, so we would spend uh, like every summer in Atlantic City. So yeah, I've known Jersey well since I, I was a very young man. Well, listen, I don't, I don't mean to compete, but I have, uh, due to some uh, gambling issues in my twenties, spent a lot of nights uh, in the Atlantic City Boardwalk men's room, uh, <laughs> just for hiding. Uh, you know, you got to yeah. Sometimes no, you, you need a source of heat. That boardwalk gets cold. You don't have access to a room. Listen, we mentioned this stuff, by the way, because it's also inspiring, okay? Because I'm not lying, okay? I was uh, a bit of a habitual gambler in my 20s, and I was down there all the time, and I would always say to people, uh, you know, Atlantic City's great, but if you've ever been to Vegas, every second that you spend in Atlantic City just reminds you that you're not in Vegas. You know what I'm saying? Yes, Atlantic City looks like the house lost. <laughs> yeah, the house always wins. Not so fast. <laughs> Not in Atlantic City. It looks like it's somehow it looks like it's homeless. There's like yeah. there's like one nice hotel, and all the rest of them are like just doing coke. <laughs> oh, I, the, the the local hotels where every room has the dimples in the door from where the state police battery rammed it down the prior evening. An- yeah, they've decided to just stop spackling it. 
you can see where they cared enough to spackle in the eighties, yeah. but not anymore. No, it's it's great. You know, you're staying at a fine hotel where they ha- when they have a camera crew on location. Like there's, they're just there. Like they, cause they just, they know it's coming. You know what I'm saying? It's like the guy set up at the Southern border. Well, somebody's going to come running along any minute now. Yeah, we're going to get footage. It's got to be, just keep it rolling. Yeah. Just hold it up and keep it rolling. We're going to, we're going to save the gas money and just par- parallel park next to the El Martinique hotel over here on Pennsylvania yeah. Avenue. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this. We are roughing up their town quite a bit, but I know you're excited to go to Jersey this weekend, but have you ever gone to the White House sandwich shop in Atlantic city? I have. It's amazing. It's the greatest it place in the it's world. Probably my, it's probably my favorite sandwich. I'm not even kidding. And, and, I, I love it. And it's been there, for, so everyone knows, about 130 years. And, you know, obviously they have headshots on the walls of a lot of fighters who fought when Atlantic City was like a big boxing hub in the 70s and 80s. And then just like celebrities who used to go to the beach in Atlantic City. And, you know, you, you haven't lived until you've sunbathed with a floating hubcap and a dead teamster. I mean, it's no, it's a it's very true. You talk about relaxation. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't. No, there's no, yeah. There's nothing like boogie boarding on a dead Italian guy. <laughs> I, uh, I always say to people, Atlantic City, and uh, you know, if you can go to Coney Island, you haven't lived till you swam with a fish that has gold teeth. You know, it's a yes. it's a different experience for the kids. Yeah, remember I was a kid. Uh, I was like, "What are we looking for?" Like out there, I mean, Dad, it's the ocean. I'm a little scared to go in there. There might be sharks. And he's like, "No, no, all the sharks are in the casino, son. They're full blown sharks." <laughs> you're at Dave you're Dave Landau. Much, you're yeah, much safer. Much safer you're, in the ocean. You're, well, you wind up swimming with a pool shark who hustled the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me and Fast Daddy, and I'm nine. <laughs> Jersey jokes, everybody. <laughs> We got a million of them. All right, I don't want you to. Like, God, I'm from Detroit. I also know it's terrible, but we finally have a good team. So whatever. Yeah, you got this. Is your this is your moment? So did I read correctly um, that you were at a Lions game? You went to the Lions game two weeks ago. I did. I did a couple weeks ago. I brought my son, and uh, it was when it was it was a tight game with Vegas, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they ended up winning. And it was I've never been to Monday Night Football, and I brought him because. Uh, you know, he's eight and has earned it. Wow. So I brought him to it, – it's just amazing, though, to bring him to something that I've never been to. But yeah. that was insane. Yeah. Like, it is a, it is a different level of drunk and stupid <laughs> that I had never experienced at a – and, I mean, I used to go to the Thanksgiving games, but the difference is that there's actually people going to the games now because the Lions are doing well. Yes. Which has never happened, ever. No. No, we're talking so. about Diamond Dave Landau's on the line. No, I get it. And when, it, and when it's new, there's, like, a raging passion, right? Of course, like we've, it's never had fair weather fans because it's impossible. Yeah, but we've always had fans. Right? Yeah. we went there, and yeah, the the fact that they are winning and actually good, and it's not like just a fluke. And you have Dan Campbell, who's one of my favorite people mm-hmm. because he's insane. He's yeah. a coach who I've loved him since the first time he came out and made a speech about just biting other teams' kneecaps off <laughs> and like eating their faces. I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> this is <laughs> old. the greatest coach. Because it's like late 70s football. Do you remember when like and- – yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, you please. No, I was just going to say, if you watch NFL films, like the late 70s, like Raiders, like half of the team had a record. They had like a ra- I'm not talking about four and one. I'm talking about like a record in a court of law. And uh, there's a debauchery that comes with that type of football that I think is sorely missed. Yeah, I think you need somebody who's kind of been in it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like half these kids just get right into college and, you know, then they jump in there and they're in their 20s, whatever. But I kind of like the idea of it. it's like, well, this guy just, you know, it's like the penal league from Major League. It's just <laughs> like you kind of want somebody who's known for hurting people. That's what I used to like about hockey. Oh, like yeah. hockey. And I mean, granted, the, the blade thing was a bit too far. That was in Canada. That was but aggressive. The, that, yeah, it's, it's a bit little much to slice someone's throat. I've always said that. That guy's getting but charged, by I, the way. I saw that he's getting charged with because it, it seemed very deliberate. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I don't think he he realized what he was doing, but uh, he I don't know how you can play hockey that long and not realize like oh you know those things you're wearing are knife shoes. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's a little it's, it's a it might be a bridge too far. I think you make a good point. Diamond Dave Landau is here for the prosecution. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be pretty. It's at least manslaughter. Tell, tell like, but, uh, that, that's funny. If the prosecution sends up a comic, I think that would be effective. If you actually go up and you make the case through jokes, which, you know, jokes only work if there's an accepted truth in the audience. You know what I'm saying? No one's ever thought of jokes that. Are, jokes are often just pointing out the logic of stupidity that's or, it. like, of the stupid situation and pointing out, like, trying to find the logic in what everybody's missing. Oh, like dang. just pointing out the most obvious thing that everybody talks around, folks. That's, that's why, why you I go, think it would be great. That's why you go to the Comedy Cove and see Dave and Dave Landau this weekend, not just to keep him from offing himself in a La Quinta. Okay, there are other reasons no. to go. A La Quinta, I get that nice. <laughs> <laughs> I made a couple of phone calls over there. You know, don't worry about it. No, it's great. I uh, sorry, but it's next to the elevator, though. You're gonna hear that all night. But it's still a La Quinta. Haven't <laughs> <laughs> don't you love, by the way, on the road? How a lot of chain hotels are still trying to milk the pandemic. Like I, the place oh. I, the place I checked it on Saturday, they're like, due to the, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, room service is only like two days a week now. And I'm like, just say you don't feel oh. like cleaning the rooms. Is the COVID <laughs> at my La Quinta is not a top 10 germ. No, I love when it's like, we haven't been able to fix the elevator due to COVID-19 and you're <laughs> on floor seven. You're like, this seems massively inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> Or they still have the patches on the ground that they just refuse to move that are just people six feet away from each other. Yeah. But they've just been demolished by shoe prints. <laughs> but yeah, you, like we would love to check you in after 2 a.m., but unfortunately we couldn't hire anybody due to COVID. <laughs> you, Sorry. Are you sure? There's like 10 people sleeping on the sidewalk. No, no, Somebody, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> no, we can't. We can't. There's a germ. Oh, that makes sense. Do you want you want me to I give, remember? Yeah, go ahead. I remember how no, I said. I remember how colds used to stop anything from happening. Makes sense. <laughs> well, you know, guys, it is allergy season, so we're going to be suspending restaurant room service. There's no lobby <laughs> check-in. Yeah, I know. It's such a scam. It's such a joke. I'll tell you. Here's a pro tip. Pro tip I learned on the road. A lot of people don't know this. Okay, when you stay at a chain hotel that's in a residential area. A lot of them have zoning restrictions that forbid them from building the hotel too tall. But if you're in a heavily populated area, like I just stayed when I was filming my stand-up special, I stayed in a hotel on Long Island, chain hotel, where it was only allowed by zoning to be four stories. But because it was a heavily populated area, they just took a four-story hotel and made it three miles long. So you know those hotels where you get off the elevator and you find out, like, say you're staying in room 297, but you get off the hotel right. and you're 201. 
and you now have 197 <laughs> rooms. There are actually skeletons. It's the, or- it's the Oregon Trail on the way to find your hotel room. The previous three occupants have died on the way to get to your hotel room, and you're trying to pass them like you're climbing Everest. Yeah, you just walk past a grail. There's, a, there's a, some Nazi skeletons. <laughs> It is incredible when you do go to those places where, and then the, they never tell you. They're always like, oh, the elevator's right here, and then just take a left, and it's just a short walk three miles down <laughs> with all your stuff. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's, wow. Oh, it's always fun. Uh, they, yeah, nobody's – the service is incredible now because it's just the lack of it completely yeah. and dealing with the most antisocial person who oh. can never find you. Can I tell you something? You're like, yeah, go ahead. my name is this, and you say your name, and then they're like, so what's it? You're like, Dave, David, one of those? It's got to be one of those. <laughs> and then a while later, and they're like, are you sure it's not Dan? You're like, I'm I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I feel good about this one. <laughs> Listen, man, Kennedy and I were down in Clearwater, and I called the front desk because I turned on my sink, okay? I turned on my sink, and my toilet exploded. It was the strangest thing in the world. <laughs> I call the front desk. You know, half of Florida are just New Yorkers that, you know, went to Florida either because they were, like, outrunning bad debts or they were just retiring yeah. and they have a New York attitude. So I call the front desk at this hotel in Clearwater. I go, I go, hey, man, I'm in 213. I just turned my sink on. My toilet exploded. The guy goes, glad I'm not you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Fine service. And I I can fill out the survey where you said five stars. I clearly. <laughs> so funny. Thank you. I'll I'll just be taking a toilet shower that I appreciate it. <laughs> you have any dove body soap to go with this toilet shower. Um yeah, people I... just get people just let themselves go. Like people no one's even trying, I think is the point. No, they don't care because they it's it's not anybody's dream anymore. So unless you're living your dream, which no one really is, yep. uh, you they don't want to actually try for the current position that they're in. Yep. And that's what I find so amazing. It's like, yeah, I'm sorry, your TikTok hasn't taken off yet, <laughs> but it's not really my fault. So if, if there's just any way you could come and fix my problem, like I, even like 10 years ago, I remember I had lightning bugs in a hotel. So mm-hmm. they moved me to a new room mm-hmm. that ended up having slightly less lightning bugs. <laughs> and I called down and they're like, we'll send an exterminator. It was in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh-huh. The guy knocks on the door and it's the custodian. Mm-hmm. And he's like, are you, you the one that you called because you got bugs? And I was like, I was. And the guy takes his sh- one shoe off, stands on my bed, and starts smashing all the lightning bugs with his one dirty boot. And then at the very end, he's tying his shoe, and he goes, y'all set your highness? And I, I, I was terrified. I was like, no, I'm good. And I, I tipped him. I tipped him $5. And, 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 and that was the first time you met Senator Tommy Tuberville. Incredible. That's right. Dave Landau, everyone's coming to the Comedy Cove. I love you, man. I'll see you soon, brother. Thank you, sir. Back after this. The critics have spoken. I really appreciate fine art. You do? Yes. And this this isn't it. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Bottom of the ninth. On Fox Across America, I am taking this show over to Gutfeld. 
We'll be getting the band back together with the King of Late Night, our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld, tonight at 10 o'clock. So congratulations in advance to him on the ratings. If you missed me with Jesse Waters last night, it is on the Fox Across America website, foxacrossamerica.com. You can see this morning's Fox & Friends hit there as well. And, of course, catch up on any part of this show today that you might have missed out on. That being said, I am done with New York for the week. Nashville, here we come. Heading down to the Patriot Awards if you want to meet your radio buddy and all of your favorite Fox News personalities. You can get tickets, www.foxnews.com slash Patriot Awards, and come see me do what I do best, which is, to be honest with you, stand-up comedy. I'm actually not that good at drinking anymore because I'm a public figure. People know who I am, so I've actually got to behave in public. They make me walk around with a shot collar when I leave the studio. But I'll be there nonetheless. Meet, greet, selfies, the whole barnyard jamboree. See you on Gutfeld tonight. See you in Nash, Vegas tomorrow, girlfriend. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.